0: This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Why the heck was Andy Williams singing about scary ghost stories in the Christmas song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year? Find out in 30 morbid and festive minutes.
1: Wow, I love that little festive line you put there, Jess. Do you? Yeah, I love that. Anyway, you put it there. <laughs> this is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. And in the case of today, get into the holiday spirit, okay? So to speak, spirit, Jess. I thought that originally you were going to say holy spirit, and I was like, uh <laughs> oh. Oh, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> I'm Elise Willems. I'm Jessica Vasami. You know, everyone has their own Christmas and holiday traditions.
1: Some may be more tame and others a little bit uh, kooky. I don't have so many holiday traditions. I'm just trying to get them in general. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Creating like your own, especially as you you get older. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I watch Muppet Christmas Carol every year, but who doesn't? Okay, it's a masterpiece. There there you go. There you go. What we've learned by doing this podcast is that society is ever-changing. Mores, values, traditions can evolve over time. They move in and out of vogue in fashion. Including
0: holiday traditions. And there's a lot of weird Christmas traditions that we don't do anymore.
1: And or, or most people probably don't. Yes. There was a time where people would put fruitcakes under their pillows at Christmas to give you dreams of your true love or um, go caroling or wassailing from door to door um, with the expectation that people would give you food or money for just singing a little song. Have you ever caroled Jess or did you get carolers at your home when you were younger?
0: Yes. And this is only a thing that's ever happened when I was younger. I haven't seen it in my adult life, but I have once gone caroling with like my mom's PTA group and their kids. And then uh, I have also had carolers come to the door. But again, this was back in like the 90s. Yeah. It it has not happened recently.
1: Yeah. Same. I remember in the 90s, people coming caroling to our door, but I don't, I mean, I don't have a door now that I think people could come caroling at, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. also it doesn't seem like it's a common thing now. You know, maybe you you go to watch people sing carols, but you don't have them come to you. Yes. Yes. I wonder if it's like a safety thing now, because as
0: times, you know, we used to like ride our bikes back in the 80s and 90s and oh, well, be in, gone for
1: hours. And now... I mean, in mm-mm. Texas too, like somebody comes up to your driveway and you're like, what are you doing over here?
0: Yeah. Singing damn yeah. songs.
1: <laughs> like, yeah.
0: No, that's... It's a, <laughs> it's a thing. It definitely is a thing.
1: Can we talk about that Andy Williams song too briefly? Yeah. Which... As a kid, you hear it, the, you know, scary ghost stories, and, and you never really think mm-hmm. anything of it, right? I really have never thought anything of it. No, and, but we're blowing
0: no. it wide open today. Yeah, there's one big tradition that is long forgotten.
1: Yes, I personally am very into this and want to try to bring it back.
0: And that's telling ghost stories during Christmas, which,
1: <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. Ghost stories during Christmas, though you would think Christmas isn't scary, Right. I mean, Black Friday shopping kind of is boxing. And just being around your family for (laughs) a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, Yuletide Terror might be more fitting than you might think. Telling ghost
1: stories during the holiday season was extremely in vogue during the Victorian era. Yes. The Victorians, who we've established over the run of this podcast, were extremely metal to begin with, were all about it. Households in England, Germany, and parts of Scandinavia would sit
0: around crackling fires on dark winter nights leading up to Christmas, and especially Christmas
1: Eve, partaking in treats and nog while sharing spooky tales. Oh, it just sounds so cozy and it really does. The atmosphere and ambience must have been perfect. I I mean sure nobody had any antibiotics, but definitely <laughs> like, not. I would sacrifice definitely. it. Yeah. In his 1891 collection, Told After Supper, Victorian humorist Jerome K. Jerome, awesome name, <laughs> wrote Nothing satisfies us on Christmas Eve but to hear each other tell authentic anecdotes about specters. It is a genial festive season, and we love to muse upon graves and dead bodies and murders and blood. <laughs> ah, perfect.
0: Yeah. Perfect for Christmas. Mm-hmm. No, and it, it, became a, it began as an oral tradition, which later evolved to written with the advent of, of the printing press. And you didn't need to know how to to read to pass it on or retell
1: a story to somebody. Yeah, printing press was such a game changer, but mm-hmm. to tell someone a story, you can do that for free. For sure. You didn't need to be rich to retell a story. Um, though, once they were starting to get published, you know, you could buy them. There were cheaper penny periodicals that, like, the poor folk could buy at newsstands and such. And then the highest of society would buy these, like, expensive, ornate collections, like, coffee table books that they would proudly display. Which is still a thing to
0: this day, yeah. like, coffee table books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but entire families would gather around to tell stories
1: or maybe a group of friends around the hearth in a tavern. yeah. And you might be wondering, Jess, Elise, how did this come to be a thing? You know, why Christmas? Why ghost stories? That's what we're talking about. And that's what we are wondering about as well. And a variety of factors gave rise to the trend. First and foremost, the popularization of Christmas as a holiday by Queen Victoria. We've talked about her a lot on here because she was so influential with so many trends uh, in the Victorian era. Her husband, Prince Albert, brought his German traditions to England when they married so putting up a Christmas tree, that was the thing that he brought with him. And Victoria said, okay, like, I will do this for you, babe.
0: Let's <laughs> <laughs> just bring this tree inside yeah, and yeah.
1: we're going to decorate it. It's wild, but I will yeah. do it for you. She, I mean, we've heard about their sex life. So I think she, yeah. was, she was like, whatever you want, I'll do it. No, oh, yeah. And she did. Yeah. yeah. C- Christmas, as as we know it now, not
0: not a thing prior to the mid-19th century. But up until that time, people worked on Christmas Day and, and kids... Even went to school, plus gift giving happened in the new year, which I'm so thankful that we don't go to work or school on Christmas Uh, Day. You know, I'm very, very
1: thankful. Yes, we are going to have such a a post-holiday depression after Mm -hmm. all this time off. Mm -hmm. I I like the idea of gift giving happening in the new year because it's kind of, it makes sense, right? That you would be like, hey, have a great new start. Absolutely. That does make sense. Mm-hmm. But also Santa Claus, so. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when it came to Christmas, though, there was just downright opposition to Christmas in a lot of history, which was kind of surprising for me to learn about. Because, and I guess if we think about it a little bit more, it's like Christian Christmas, not really a Christian holiday, okay? Yeah. Uh, in fact, it was banned in America and England by the Puritans for a while in the 1600s.
0: Yeah, this was, was very interesting for me to learn about as well. If you listen to our episode about the Salem Witch Trials, you might be clued into how opposed Puritan society was to anything that they deemed pagan or a,
1: like supernatural in nature. Yeah, which is why it also might be surprising to learn that so much of the imagery associated with Christmas, nothing to do with like Christianity, Mm-mm. even Santa, actually pagan symbols. So mistletoe, mm-hmm. holly, wreaths, yule logs, trees, all pagan symbology.
0: Yeah. And there's really nothing in the Bible that points to Christmas being a thing either, which the Puritans
1: pointed out. N- news to me.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. But
1: isn't there the whole thing that Jesus's actual birthday is like April something?
0: Well, April. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like Easter is in April and he rose and, from the dead then.
1: Uh, yeah, there's spe- there's Debate over, like, okay, well, it's December 25th, but I don't think that's mm-hmm. really his birthday. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's one of those things where, like, it, uh, I can't get into this right
0: <laughs> I know, I know. It's a, it's a,
1: yeah. Waterfall. Also, the term Yuletide comes from Norse etymology. Yule is related to the Old Norse Jule. I'm totally oh. to butcher that, probably. Yule, oh. um, the name of the pagan winter feast. Yule
0: is a pagan celebration of the winter solstice, which marks the longest night of the year and therefore the return of the sun. On this day, the Earth's axis tilts away from the sun and the northern hemisphere and the sun reaches its greatest distance from the equatorial
1: plane. There's something about the solstice in this time of year where the nights are long and dark and there's this kind of like veil between the realms of the living and the dead that seems kind of thin. So many... Victorian authors wrote about this. Like, it just feels like a magical time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's dark out, and that really spoke to Victorians, <laughs> which I respect because they were so
0: freaky. They were. Victorian England embraced superstition in in an unhealthy way. <laughs> whereas, <laughs> yeah. you know, whereas, like, America at this time was very secular, and the immigrants headed to the New World wanted to leave behind superstitions in the past. Britain was the opposite.
1: Yeah. They were like, we're going to hold on to all of this stuff and we're going to keep freaking ourselves out with it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We've talked about this so much on this podcast, but like other things like urbanization and industrialization inadvertently and directly contributed to their obsession with death. Mm -hmm. And Queen Victoria was the poster gal of mourning Plus, there was stuff like the spiritualism movement and people getting high off of carbon monoxide from the new gas lamps in their homes. Yep. Like, it was just a lot was happening then that would lead people to maybe be more inclined to think of things in a spookier context.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. The Victorians would have loved this podcast because they love spooky shit. I think (laughs) we would have been number one on their billboards (laughs) or whatever, Um, their charts. (laughs)
1: <laughs> They'd be physical charts. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, right. I yes. made this chart and your podcast <laughs> is at the top of it. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Man, we
0: would have been so successful then.
1: Oh, Damn. yes, absolutely. And we would have tried <laughs> to get Victoria on as a guest. I, I love that. You don't even put queen in front of it. You're just like Victoria. <laughs> she, just no. first name basis. Okay. She would have been like, we're all queens here. And we would have been God, like, yes, I hope. Victoria. <laughs> 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 wow, I don't know if she would say we're all queens, but I'd like to, to give her that. We would have brought her onto the um the sex disasters episode oh my because God. she would have been all about that, I think
0: that's yeah. okay. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So there were lots of reasons why the Victorians might have been a wrapped audience for ghost stories because they were dealing with a lot of real world problems,
0: partly stemming from the rise of of science and technology. But the increasing civil unrest and Britain's changing place in the world hierarchy, as well as high child mortality race. And the list goes on, safe to say that the Victorians were a
1: rapt audience for ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Wintertime in England, it was cold. it was dark, it was bleak. Maybe you were trapped inside as the snow bore down outside. You didn't have electricity, gas lamps. Uh, you didn't have a phone, and you really had nothing to do but just kind of like warm yourself by the fire, and maybe you'd have house guests, and so you would tell stories and thrilling tales. This would be really fun to do if we if I'm we could go you, back. I want to bring be, it back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In Los Angeles, California.
0: <laughs> Los Angeles, California. Perfect.
1: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shady Rays. Shady Rays are an independent sunglasses brand that have over 250,000 five-star reviews, and they are fan flipping favorites of Jessica and I. We love our Shady Rays. I have, like, maybe, like, three pairs now.
0: I have four now, including my Blu-ray blockers. Oh, yes, just because <laughs> they have so many styles and co- colors to choose from.
1: You can't just choose one.
0: No, you can't. And my favorite thing about them, like, I'm not kidding. And I'm not going to say that the 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 brand, but my main reason for loving Shade so much is like they have a bunch of great styles, but it's their freaking tangle-free sunglasses. Yes. They, they're perfect for all hair types and it's their hottest selling style. And these shades specifically have nose pieces designed with long hair in mind for the ultra comfort fit. So you'll never snag in your hair because I'm constantly flipping them on top of my head and mm-hmm. every other pair I've ever owned,
1: even the really popular brands, get caught in my hair and it drives me nuts. Yes. I have very fine hair and the Tangle Free collection is a lifesaver.
0: Hell yeah. And then the other pair I have are the blue light ones for indoor use for computers, gamers, who, anybody that's looking at a freaking screen all day um, is perfect. And um, it just like helps
1: to reduce eye strain. Mm-hmm. And and now I'm learning like Shady Rays even has snow goggles. So if I you're know. outside and you're doing your snowboarding or what have you, skiing, you can get snow goggles. Amazing.
0: I know. They're perfect for the for the holidays and the winter that is here now. So. Yes. Um, yeah.
1: I, I love Shady Rays. Like, they make every outfit. They are, I don't leave home without a pair of Shady Rays. I don't either. But if you do, and at some point your Shady Rays leave you, meaning you lose them, or maybe even break them, don't worry about it because they have a lost and broken protection program. So you're covered from day one.
0: Yeah. And can I just say, you know... I have sat on my Shady Rays, I don't know, like uh, numerous times and they just don't break. And that's, I'm, I'm pretty heavy. So like they're, they're pretty resilient on top of that. (laughs) Yeah. The best. Um, But they also have like shipping, uh, free shipping and return. So if you don't love your shades, exchange or return them for free within 30 days. There is no risk
1: when you shop. Mm -hmm. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Head to ShadyRays.com and use code 30MM for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over
0: 250,000 people. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is the holiday season. And of course, that means thinking about gifts nonstop. I'm thinking about gifts all the
1: time. Gifts for me, mostly. Gifts for you, mostly. Yes, because I feel very giving to a lot of people all the time. But you know what? This time I'm giving back to myself.
0: No, that's true. I'm laughing, but no, it really is true. And since it is a season of like, treat
1: yourself and everyone else. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how we can define how we give back to ourselves. Yes, how you give back to yourself. You decide how you do that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be with material things.
0: Yeah. Whether it's taking time to rest, going easier on yourself or going to therapy, give yourself
1: some of that self-care love this season. Yes. Go to therapy to talk about how maybe the people in your life, it's the end of the year, things are getting hectic. They're all kind of maybe getting on your nerves a little bit. (laughs) And oh yeah, you need just an outside third party that you can kind of vent to. That's what therapy is for. And I've used it (laughs) in that way.
0: (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. I uh, went to therapy this morning and uh, I noticed that a lot of my therapy sessions for the past couple of weeks have been around family because it is the holidays and Christmas is, you know, here, already came and went, but I've been with my family and it's just constantly um, family dynamics keep mm. popping up in my therapy sessions. But I'm so very, very thankful because um, it is absolutely needed because it's making me feel a lot better.
1: Amazing. And if you are thinking about starting therapy BetterHelp is a great option. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible.
0: All you have to do is fill out a survey and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. Plus, you can switch therapists at any time. So in the season of giving, give yourself what
1: you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 30MM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot
0: com slash 30MM. Many of the most popular stories told were ones that took place in in homes, not unlike those of people telling the stories, but like dark and dimly lit on a winter's eve, creaking and groaning
1: from the gusting wind outside. Yes. And so, yeah, everybody's living in these new build homes that are actually pretty uh, creepy because they've got, you know, th- they've got all these dark recesses and passageways in them right and because yes. people had these bigger homes and with this industrial revolution it birthed this burgeoning middle class who then had servants who lived with them in these homes and then would like use the hidden passageways so they couldn't be seen while they were working weird so, yes yes like it, it just like they created their own haunted houses essentially and they it's
0: a, it's so interesting and there's like we prefer this and yeah. love this yeah well, i mean i guess it
1: was <laughs> like you know, they were still uh, industrializing. So this was, Mm -hmm. but, and it was an upgrade from big stone drafty castles. But Jess, imagine yourself in a big old house during winter in Victorian England. Oh, I'm I'm there, right there. It's so cold. The snow is blowing outside. You're huddled in front of the fire, but you've also got your gas lamps cranked, (laughs) cranked (laughs) way up. Okay, they are fuming. Uh, High as a kite, baby. Yeah. (laughs) And then you hear some servant like scuttling between the passages and the walls.
0: Yeah, that's definitely poop in my pants time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe sure.
1: maybe you would be like, I have a ghost story or two that comes to mind.
0: And it's funny because all it is is just you're high and you hear sounds. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's <like>, kind of <laughs> like life cor- now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. But now we specifically reference England because while there was a bit of this tradition happening across the pond in the States, it really didn't take hold
1: in America for a couple of reasons. One we alluded to earlier with the Puritan movement and the American denouncement of old world superstitions.
0: But also you may be aware the flood of Scottish and Irish immigrants brought with them an appreciation for the ghostly wonders of Halloween, which we have covered. And, you know, it originated as a Celtic and Gaelic festival celebrating the harvest. Mm -hmm. Praise be
1: to Samhain. There were a few (laughs) American authors who kept the tradition alive overseas, Henry James being one of them. Maybe you've read his Gothic novella, Turn of the Screw in which it's a Christmas Eve, there's a framing device where a group of men are telling ghost stories around a fire. And it doesn't really have anything to do with the story itself that they're mm-hmm. framing. But man, that that book creeped me out when I was in university.
0: Okay, I remember I was like, this is the book you read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Ha- I ha- haven't read it. But stories like James's would run in periodicals where they'd be broken out episodically. So again, the printing press and people flocking to cities played a part in the rise of these periodicals.
1: Yeah. People could, and were now reading more. So literacy rates were going up. They sure were. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is this a good thing or a bad thing that all of us started to read? <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe some Uh-oh. people shouldn't have.
0: Yeah, but as explained by Ruth Robbins, professor of English literature at Leeds Metropolitan University, quote, publishers suddenly needed a mass of content. Ghost stories fit the bill. Short, cheap, generic, repetitive, able to be cut quite easily
1: to length. Makes sense. Yeah, there are a few legacy authors of the period who wrote in the ghost story genre. Elizabeth Caskel, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, but none are remembered for it like Charles Dickens, mic drop, Charles. mic drop from Dickens. Yeah, I was a Charles Dickens. Like, if you have the Muppets immortalize you, you made it, right? That's your that's your thing. I mm-hmm. love it. I love that for you. Thank you.
0: But a Christmas Carol, yeah, like, uh, uh, of course, you know, known for no doubt, obviously, ghost story, the ghost story, Christmas stories. Like, like when we're talking about Christmas ghost stories, like that was where my brain went before learning about all this. Was like, well, there's ghosts in a Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's where I thought, but you know, now this all makes sense, but, um, yeah, it's his 1843 novella that Mm -hmm. he, and he wrote a ton of other spooky holiday stories as well.
1: Yeah. He helped popularize the genre. He was the editor on multiple magazines that would include ghost stories around the holiday season. So like the chimes was one of his works, the haunted man and like the Christmas Carol, these were kind of about a miserable miser guy who mm-hmm. does a 180 on his life perspective after some like ghosts <laughs> you know intervene
0: yeah I think it's also you know thinking of it like this I think it is a very well done and I and I liked the device of the ghost in order to teach this man a freaking lesson oh, yeah. Grumpy old man.
1: and structuring it with the ghost like I mean there's a reason it's a classic but like past present yeah. future it's like it makes sense it's brilliant right? kind yeah. of yeah, yeah it's brilliant it's, it's yeah um, there's also one called the seven
0: poor travelers, which takes place on Christmas Eve in a hospice and reinforces some of the themes like forgiveness and, and redemption that became consistent with that genre.
1: Yeah. There are some stories like, I mean, turn of the screw being an example of like, it's just kind of like spooky for the sake of being spooky, but overall they seem to have kind of like also fed into the warmth of holiday emotions and those, those themes you just mentioned, Jess, of like trying to be a better person or, Mm -hmm. like, realizing your fault. Like, it's a wonderful life, of course, not a ghost story, but very much, like, they all had that kind of um, slant to them. Yes. And there are tons of Victorian ghost story collections out there that you can pick up and even, like, now check out. I, and as we're doing this podcast, I started listening to, through the Libby app, or no, through the, not the Libby app, but one of the other hoopla that you can get and connect to your library card because i'm a big proponent of like audiobooks through the library love it but i've been listening to the haunting season which is a collection of like news stories they're not from the victorian era but um it's just a bunch of authors got together to make this collection and there's one in it jess that i feel like you would really dig okay and i don't know the name of it off the top of my head i should have looked it up for this podcast but it's about it's I don't want to spoil it for you, but the basic conceit is this photographer. He's a death photographer. And he goes okay. to, he goes to take a photo of this older couple that their daughter, probably in her 20s or something, has died. and her, But she hasn't started to, like, decompose or anything. Like, she, oh. she's just beautifully preserved in death. And he goes to take photos of her. And that's, like, the beginning of the story. And it's great. It was very good.
0: Like, are these... I mean I know they're ghost stories. Like, are any of them legit scary? I mean, I know you don't get scared easily, but
1: um I I you know, I feel like if you were sitting at home and kind of like by candlelight and curled up and you're listening to yeah. one, you might you maybe you'll get a chill. I probably would, knowing me, yes. But it's okay. uh it's a cool and I I mean there are classic ones too. You can go and get like the legit experience, right, Jess?
0: Yes. If you want the authentic experience, we recommend you check out some of the classic tales, like The Kit Bag,
1: published in 1908 by Algernon Blackwood. In this uh, story, a young legal clerk named Johnson has been stomaching this trial in, uh, in which his boss, Arthur Wilbraham, has been defending a man named John Turk, who is accused of murdering and dismembering a woman. So he's been like, oh, this has been a terrible trial. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Johnson finishes the trial and is like, Thank God that's over. I'm going on Christmas vacation. We've all been there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So he asks his boss if he can borrow a kit bag for his trip. A kit bag is essentially a duffel bag. Yeah. And his boss is like, sure. And he sends it over to him and then Johnson leaves for his trip with it. And it doesn't sound creepy, but it takes a hard turn. You can read the rest of it online um, if you want like a little fun thing.
0: A little fun thing. Mm -hmm. Another good one is a strange Christmas game written by Charlotte Riddle. You may see it online under the pen name J.H. Riddle, which is
1: actually her husband's name. Why would you write under your husband's Uh, name? I feel like people would have been like, this woman writing ghost stories? You know, Mary Shelley, Mm -hmm. right? Um, (laughs) Yes, true. In this story, a brother and sister inherit an old country estate called uh, called Martingdale. The previous owner, Paul Lester, refused to live there, and the locals think it's haunted it's a slow burn story that all builds up to a big christmas eve reveal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if a uh, haunted wooden toys terrorizing children is your bag check out the wondersmith <laughs> got it <laughs> noted wrote it down or there's the mistletoe bow there
0: are variations of the story but it begins with a bride who is trying to get some time away from the
1: wedding crowd and then hides in a trunk <laughs> yeah and this one it might be a little predictable where you're like i think i know where this is going <laughs> she ain't getting out of that trunk I immediately thought, oh,
0: okay. Oh, what did you think? No, well, I mean, my brain immediately went to like um, Julia Roberts, like trying to escape, but just like (laughs) this time, it's just Julia Roberts popping in a trunk and never leaves.
1: Okay. That's Runaway Bride, but (laughs)
0: that's Runaway (laughs) Bride. Yes. I don't know why my brain
1: went there. Um, Yeah. I, again, like, can't say it enough. Love this tradition and love how atmospheric it feels and cozy. And yeah. I actually watch, I watched the um A Christmas Carol. I think it was the,
0: oh boy, it's an old one. I need to make sure. I think it's like a, oh, okay, it's the 1938 one. Yes, I watch it every year with my dad. Um, And every year when we're watching the 1938 one, we all talk about how all these people are now dead.
1: I don't know <laughs> why we say that every time. We're like, all these people are dead now. Like all the children yeah, everything. Um, I do that a, a lot with like older movies where I'm like, yeah, no one in this. Yeah, and and this it. Is- I mean, I guess also like yeah, thinking about how film has been around long enough now that uh, like all the like you're saying all the kids in a movie mm-hmm. would also be dead.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, a it's a good one. There's so many really uh, iterations of A Christmas Carol, and they're all well, not all of them, but for the most part, they're good because just the story is good. Mm-hmm. It's one yeah. of my favorites to watch during the Christmas.
1: Yeah, time. it's fire. <laughs> It's just fire. <laughs> straight yes. fi- Dickens just knew. Yeah, he was shooting straight flames <laughs> with Christmas Carol. <laughs> I, I do think that, like, you have to have the right group of friends to do this with. And everyone has to be bought in on it.
0: I was about to say, we, we, like, our... <sighs> Because I know this is something you you enjoy. I'm like, would you actually bring this up to your family? Or is this one thing? It's like, nah, it's got, it's more of like a friend thing because my family would not buy into it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. My family, no. But I think like I have certain friends who are into scary stuff that would be like, yeah. But then it's the kind of thing where like, are we going to say that we're going to do this? And then everyone's just going to come over and we're going to end up watching like YouTube videos <laughs> <laughs> instead of actually doing the thing. Because mm-hmm. I feel like part of what made these happen was people being uh having no other stimulants right like mm-hmm. you are trapped in your home it's cold out you have nothing else going on this is what you have there there's already this this ambience in the air around you this, you're high you're high spot- as <laughs> fuck so so you know <laughs> i uh So yeah, I don't, I think that maybe in our contemporary times, it would be a little hard to recreate the perfect conditions to make everybody buy into this, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I really, really dig it. I would also love if there was some kind of like play or something happening where they were putting it on and it's like just a collection of kind of like little ghost stories for the holidays. Mm -hmm. I would be so into that too.
0: That would be great. I'd be absolutely into that. Yes. Yes. Oh, that'd be
1: fun. I'll yeah, make sh- like little kids do ghost stories. We should Christmas. write it and then your partner <laughs> can star in it. Here we go. There you go. I think he'd be down. Yeah. Um, he's a great actor. Great stage stage he actor. Is. He is.
0: As always, we have some great stuff at the Rooster Teeth store under 30 more Minutes. You know, it's
1: we're approaching Christmas time. Get those gifts in. Got some great merch there. And, you know, I like the Victorians. I think spooky stuff can happen anytime. That is very true. Very true. And if you guys want to go
0: uh support us directly by getting a first membership at 30 mmshow slash first. Um, sign up for a first membership. That all of that goes directly towards us. It it supports us. It would it would we really appreciate it. And with your first membership, you also get some really, really fun perks that come with that. We do uh some fun streams. We'll watch movies together. Um, we'll do A couple of um, just some like BTS with me and Elise, so Mm -hmm. trust me, it's worth it. Yeah,
1: and it also helps us make this show. So thank you very much for supporting us with it. Well, Jessica, it's about that time—the time for bad, bad bye, bad bye, Elise, bad bye, Jessica. Was that Santa? Was that Santa wishing you a bad bye, Jessica? I feel like I'm high right now. (laughs) There are gas lamps on in here. What is happening? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays.